Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. Melissa, Anastasia, and the family, children's and women's pastor here. Um, but if you, for some reason, caught our Instagram like little live last night, me and Ben were talking about this morning, you might know me as Michelle, because I guess that's what Ben knows me as. And he's like, okay, Michelle's going to hop on. And I'm like, that's not, I'm not, that's not me. But that's okay. Um, he, he gets a lot of grace because, like, literally while we were doing that Instagram Live for, like, the few minutes that we were doing it, he had, like, nine children crawling on his face. And so I was like, that's fine. You can call me Steve. I don't care. I'm just, I'm just thankful that they asked me to come and preach on Sunday mornings. I find it to be a huge honor and a huge gift, and I'm really, really thankful to be able to be here with you. I feel like God has some things to say, and so I'm really, really excited about this morning. I want to know, how is your gift giving this Christmas? Like, how is, like, how is your Christmas? This isn't, just so you know, when, when I preach, it's an interactive, like, you have to talk to me, and if you don't, I'll literally call you out and make you speak. I'll make you stand, and then I'll make you, sp- no, I won't, I won't do that. But I would like to participate with you guys, if that's okay, because I'm very, like, I'm a very personable person. I want to, like, let's chat. Let's have fun. So, was Christmas different this year? Was Christmas harder this year? I see nods. Like you didn't get to see some of your family? Maybe that's hard. I didn't get, so I have a lot of people in my family um, that are high risk, and so I didn't get, we didn't get to do the normal things, and that's super duper hard. But did you, so were you on your gift game, or did you just kind of slack? Did we slack off Christmas completely, or did we, or did we, like, compensate? Did we, like, overcompensate because we're, like, COVID's so hard, I'm just going to get you all the presents? Or did you, like, kind of, like, it's a, it's a weird year. Let's just be mellow. Here's, like, a gift for you. Yes? No? Show of hands. Okay. Well, I got a gift from my son, and I wanted to share it with you. So my daughter is 14. She does, like, little clay crafts, and it's so cute. She's so talented. And she does, like, she'll come up with, like, the perfect little thing for somebody and be like, I made this for you, and, like, you melt inside. So my son did something similar, and he made me, like, a little clay thing, and I opened it up, and I was like, I don't don't know what that is. Like, I, is it, like, a hat? Does it go on, like, a like a little animal, and then my daughter's like, Mom, it's a Starbucks cup. And my son made me a Starbucks cup because I have a problem, and he knows it. And so he thinks, I'm going to make my mom the most precious thing to her. I'm going to give her what makes her so happy and so joyful and something that we do together every morning when we go through the drive-thru. She's going to love it. She's going to love a Starbucks cup. And I was slightly embarrassed, a little bit mortified, but also really thankful because my son's really cute. Like, that's so nice. I really appreciate that from him. (laughs) So speaking of gifts, we are in this series that Bucky was talking about, the gifts of the presence of God. And there's different gifts that God, God offers us. So first of all, we have his presence, which is a gift in and of itself. But then beyond that, God gives us gifts to usher us into his presence, to make us 
become closer to him, to feel him, to seek him. And, and a few weeks ago, we learned about the word, right? Bucky taught about the word, and the word ushers us in. That is his, his speaking, his inspiration, his inspired word directly to us on paper in front of us all the time. And we have that available and accessible to us at any moment. And that is a gift that God has given us to usher us into his presence. And then there's another gift that Ben talked about a few days ago or a few Sundays ago that is my favorite gift. It's really awesome. It's the gift of waiting. I'm really, like, so good at it. And I think God knows it, and he makes me do it over and over again. He's like, girl, you got this. You're so good at waiting. I'm just going to make you wait and wait and wait. And it's like the, that movie Groundhog Day where... Like, you wake up every morning, and it's, like, the same song and the same thing. And every time I wake up, and I'm like, oh, I'm waiting. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to wait. But even in the uncomfortableness of waiting, I have just found that if you press in and if you seek God with everything that you have, he's going to use it. And he's going to magnify it. He's going to glorify it. He's going to make it good. Um, so today we're talking about the gift of prayer. And how we can connect with God and his presence through prayer. And I think it's the most intimate way that we can connect with God to have actual conversations with him. But before I go into the actual topic of prayer, I wanted to address something. And I get to do this when Bucky and Ben put me up here. I kind of take little tangents from, like, what we're actually supposed to be talking about. Because I feel like the Lord kind of made it really clear when Bucky was preaching a few weeks ago... And um, when he was speaking about the word, and he had these um, statistics. Were you guys here? Who was here when Bucky was preaching about the word, right? So he had these statistics of what Christians now believe as opposed to what the word says. And Christians are really good right now at kind of twisting scripture and making it say what they want it to say. Or they think, well, it's like, it's like a different time, it's a different world, it's a different atmosphere, and so it just doesn't really pertain to like what, what this world is about. But I feel like the Lord is so clear. He's like, I have one people, I have one church, I don't have the same concept of time that you have. So if I have a word for y'all, it's going to be for you all. It's not just for, like, the people of an ancient time. It actually, no, my word is sufficient for then, it was sufficient for now, and it's sufficient for the future. But sometimes we forget that. And so there was one statistic, though, you guys, that really rocked me that Bucky said. And he said 58% of Christians, not just people, Christians believe that the Holy Spirit is symbolic. And I was like, shoot. <laughs> well, that's not good. Because if we're talking about the presence of God and we don't have an understanding of the Holy Spirit and what that is, then what is the point of talking about the presence of God? Right? Because the presence is the Holy Spirit come here and now. And if 58% of us, and I don't believe that's true for our church because our church is the best, but if 58% of us don't have an understanding, if even 5% of us don't have an understanding of what the Holy Spirit is, then I would like to go ahead and have that conversation really quickly because I don't want to miss that. So we're going to go into a little Holy Spirit conversation first, and then we're going to follow it up with prayer. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. Okay, good. 
So God is, in fact, the Trinity, right? Three in one. There's God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. And what we find in Christianity is oftentimes we're like, okay, so the Old Testament is like the God, like creator of the world, and he's kind of mean, and he's kind of scary, and he's kind of wrathful, and I don't totally understand him. But then we have the New Testament, and Jesus comes, and he rescues us, and he gives us salvation, and then we're good. So we have Old Testament God, and then we have New Testament Jesus. And then like there's like the Holy Spirit, and I don't really... So we don't talk about him, so that's fine. Um, but we have God and we have Jesus and the, the other guy. But it's not the case, right? It's three in one, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and they are all their own separate entities, but they are all one at the same time. And so if we're going to treat one higher than the other, then we don't have correct theology, right? So does anybody know where the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Scripture for the first time? quiz no nobody so genesis 1 verse 2 first book of the bible first chapter of that book second verse and it says this it says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the waters the spirit of god was hovering over the waters second sentence in the entire Bible, God mentions a spirit, and I don't think that's an accident. So in John, in the, in the book of John, we find out that Jesus is, is the word, the word was with God, the word was God, Jesus was present at the creation of the world because it says he was there with God from day one during creation. But a lot of times we miss that the Holy Spirit was right there too, hovering over the waters. This is something that the three, the triune God, did together. They created the earth together, right? And so throughout, peppered throughout the entire Old Testament is talk of the Holy Spirit. And when God had something big for his people to do, when God had a mission, when God needed to save, when God needed to move, he filled someone or something with the Holy Spirit, and it acted on God's behalf. So we see it in warriors. We see it in judges. We see it in prophets. When God wanted to speak, when God wanted to act, he filled somebody up with his Holy Spirit, and they went out and did, and God moved his ministry forward. He moved the kingdom forward through his people. And then when we look, when Jesus Christ comes, then the very first thing in his ministry that he does is he gets baptized by John the Baptist, right? And what does it say in Scripture? What needed to happen in order for Jesus to fulfill his ministry? So it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So in order for Jesus to fulfill his ministry, the first thing that needs to happen is he needs to get baptized and then he's filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon him and then he is capable and able to go out and minister, to perform miracles, to baptize, to save, to raise people from the dead, and to ultimately die a gruesome death and be resurrected. He needed the Holy Spirit for that. And then his disciples, before he dies, they say, God, I don't, like, Jesus, you can't leave. What, what are we going to do without you? 
And Jesus says this in John 16, verse 7 through 15. But very truly, I tell you, it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So Jesus is like, no, you don't actually want me. Here, I've come, I've done my job. I've made myself known. I've ushered in the kingdom, and now it's your turn. And I have something for you that is actually better for you because it's not just you following me around and you doing what I'm telling you to do and you watching me do miracles and saving people. It's actually going to be me inside you sending you out, and you're going to do things on my behalf. But if we didn't have that spirit, if we didn't have the spirit of God, so let's say we're, we're incorrect with our theology and we just be, believe in God and we just believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is symbolic, then what are we doing here? What are we doing? Like, are we just sitting here waiting? If we don't have the Holy Spirit to check ourselves, to trust in, to move in faith, then we don't really have a job to do right? We're just kind of waiting in the, well, Jesus came, he left, now we don't know, so we're going to hang out until he comes back. God's like, no, no, I have a spirit, and it's actually going to live inside you, and it's going to give you what you need in order to do what I've called you to do, and he's going to sanctify you, and he's going to save you. So that's my my little two cents on the Holy Spirit. If you have any questions, because sometimes the Holy Spirit, it it can be a little bit tricky because people have abused it in the past, right? People have done things in the Spirit's name that, no, that's, I don't think that's really biblical or that's right. I've had really uncomfortable situations before where someone's prophesied over me and I'm just like, "Uh, no, this isn't, this feels weird, this feels strange. And so that's why sometimes people go, you know, I'm just going to step away from that Holy Spirit stuff because it seems a little voodoo-y and weird and I'm just going to just think about Jesus and God. But we have to remember that he's there and he's accessible and he's here for a purpose. And so if we leave that part out, we're doing ourselves a huge disservice. So that's my spiel on the Holy Spirit. And if you guys have any questions on theology, would you please contact a pastor here? Like, we would love to have a conversation with you. If you have more questions, if there's more things that you want to know, if it's true that 58% of of the Christians don't have a concept or understanding of the Holy Spirit, then we are ready to have conversations with anybody who wants to have conversations. Sound good? Okay. So we're in Luke 2. Jesus has been born. He's here. And the time has come to have him dedicated at the, te- at the temple. So we're Luke 2, verse 22. We're going to start in 22. 
When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts where the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required. And Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will, will pierce your own soul too. Can you imagine? You're a mom, and you're like, oh, great, my soul's going to be pierced. That's, that's awesome. Um, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. So when we're finishing up the Old Testament, <clears throat> at the very end, we have all of these prophets prophesying about a Messiah coming. He's coming. He'll be here. He'll be here before you know it. And then 400 years of silence for God's people. God just kind of quiets up, and he lets them sit, and he lets them wait, which is what? So fun, right? So they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're waiting. And what I love about this passage that you might, be, that you might miss is that this is the beginning uh, of Jesus' Jesus's ministry. I mean, he's just a baby here, but this is the beginning of the story, right? And so we see Simeon, who's a God-fearing, righteous man, and we see Anna, who is considered a prophetess. That's exciting. Um, and we see that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, well, that's interesting, because 400 years of silence, you would think that the Holy Spirit's, like, the Lord's not talking, but clearly he is. He's just not prophesying through the prophets. He's not making huge declarations, but he's still finding his people and meeting with his people. And so I love the picture of, God, I'm still in this. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm quiet. I'm silent. Yes, because you need to learn how to wait on me. But I'm going to show you, and I'm going to sprinkle in some people who are super righteous, and I'm going to show you what I'm going to do in and through their lives. Because the Holy Spirit was on Simeon, and I love that. So because the Holy Spirit is on Simeon, he, number one, he's told that he's going to see the Messiah before his death. And number two, 
He's told when to go to the temple. The Holy Spirit's like, I think now's the time. You want to go find that Messiah? Let's get on going. So he goes to the temple, and there he is. There's Jesus, and he's like, give me that baby. Kind of like how I am when I see an Applebee baby. I'm just like, get, please, I need an Applebee baby. I want to hold it. I want to love it. And I, I'm, I'm guessing that's what Simeon did too because he's like super like me. Um, and so he takes up the baby, and the first thing he does, like what does he do? He prays. He gives thanks. He's like, Lord, oh, my gosh, it happened. You can literally take my life right now. Like, I am ready to go. I have seen what I need to see, and you can usher me straight into heaven. But he goes straight to God. And isn't it interesting that when we have something really cool happen in our lives, we go straight to Instagram, and we're like, check out what just happened to me. And then we're like, talking to people about it, and we're, like, checking for likes, and we're, like, looking at everything, and then we're, like, oh, shoot, thank you. Thanks, God. That was really cool. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Anyway, let me tell you about, and we miss it, right? But Simeon's, like, no, 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 straight to Jesus. This is what I've been waiting for. This is what your spirit has told me about. This is what I've been waiting for, and I'm, you can take my life right now. And then he prays over Jesus, and then he prophesies to Mary, And what I love is that Mary's, like, awestruck. She's like, oh, my gosh, how do you know this? And I'm like, dude, you had an angel come to you and, like, tell you things, and then you were, like, impregnated with nothing, and this guy's just kind of telling you stuff, and you're like, she's still awestruck. She's still in wonder by everything that God's doing. She's still, she just has this childlike faith where she's like, give me more, give me more. I want all of it. And she's so thankful and grateful for what Simeon did. And then Anna comes in. And I think it's Anna, it's not Anna. Because now every Anna is an Anna. Am I right? Does everybody want to call you Anna because of Frozen? Yeah, I I did it too one time. I was like, is it Anna? Is it Anna? Because I never questioned myself before, but now I do more than ever. Um, So then we have the prophetess Anna who has been in the temple courts day and night fasting and praying. On her knees every day, all day, fasting a couple times a week. And then what does she do? She gets to see the arrival of Jesus. And what does she do? What is the first thing she does? She prays. And she thanks the Lord for what it is that she gets to be able to be a part of. And I just find it so interesting. And I think to myself, if we are not so closely connected to God, like Simeon Simeon and Anna were, like what could we be missing? Like, what is our temple moment? Like, what if I was at the temple that day, right? But I'm not spending time with the Holy Spirit. I'm not spending time in prayer. I'm not on my knees every day. Could I have missed an opportunity of an encounter with the Messiah because I just wasn't in a place to be hearing and receiving from the Lord? That's huge. But because they were so righteous, they got to usher in the kingdom of God through seeing the Messiah, like, right before them. Like, I can't imagine that. And so I had a conversation with the Lord the other day because I really wanted to send you guys like, with like this big nugget, like here, chew on this. I want this really meaty, hearty, like something for you guys to just sit and think about. And I was like, Lord, God, what, what can I say? What can I tell them? And I felt like the Lord was like, tell them I'm right here. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, cool, cool, because we kind of know that. 
we kind of know that you're here, so that's like not new news. And he was like, do you though? Do you know that I'm right here? Because I don't know if you do. Because I think your life would look a lot different if you knew I was right here and you were talking to me on a regular basis and we were in communion with each other. I think, I think your life would be different. Because I feel like what the, what the Lord wanted me to share with you too is that our relationship, our prayer life, our connection with God is not based on a feeling. So if we're looking for a feeling like warm fuzzies or something to make us feel good or a prayer life where it's like, I just feel your spirit, Lord. Like, what does that even mean? I don't know. If we're looking for that feeling, we may not find it, but that does not mean that God is not there in that moment. And so I think what we need to do is we need to have a mind shift of, listen, I'm going to come into God's presence because his presence is here. So I feel like the Lord was like, hey, Melissa, if you're in your house, just so you know, I'm in your house. And if you're in your car, I'm with you in your car. You're, at the, you're walking on the beach. I'm there. I'm on the beach with you. And it doesn't, you don't need a feeling to find me. I'm right there. So what you need to do is you need to come to me in faith with trust and believe that God is there. The God that you pray to, the God that came down to earth, the God that sent the Holy Spirit is right there with you. And you have to come with that mindset in mind. Not necessarily like I'm going to feel all the warm fuzzies and this is going to be great. But it's a practice. It's not just something that we get overnight. It's not just something that's so natural. It takes time and it takes going before him every day, all day, like Anna, I don't know, as much as you can. And saying, God, I, I know you're here. I know you're here. You're here. You've told me you're here. So I'm meeting with you right now, and let's have a conversation. I'm not going to tell you how to pray because I feel like you all know how to do that already. I just want to tell you what I think God's saying for me to tell you regarding your, your prayer relationship with him. So the second thing I feel like God wanted me to tell you about prayer. First thing is he's here. He's right here. Always has been, always will be. It's not a feeling. Second thing is, and this is, this could just be me, but it's not a competition, right? So, so your prayer life, your relationship with God, your experiences with the Holy Spirit, please don't compare those to anyone else's and think someone's better, yours is better, I'm not as holy, I don't know God as much, because he sees pictures, she gets words, I don't know, I've never spoken in tongues, I'm so confused, I don't understand. So our prayer life is so intimate, and God knows us so deeply that he speaks to us how he's going to speak to us. And it's not necessarily how God speaks to me is going to be how he speaks to you. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. God speaks to us in so many different ways, through his word, through people, through, I don't know, music sometimes, right? So God, God oftentimes gives me pictures, and I love that because I'm kind of like a creative bug. I like, I like artsy things. And so God knows me so intimately and so personally that he's like, I'm going to give you this picture because this is, this is going to resonate with you really well, Right? But just because I get pictures doesn't mean that if you, if you don't get pictures, then, then your faith is worthless. It just means I get pictures. And you might hear God a different way, and that's okay. So we don't want to have 
any expectations when we come before the throne. We just want God to speak, and we just want God to move. And we don't have to compare ourselves to anyone else. We don't have to be as good as anyone else. It takes practice. It's not something that we're just going to get overnight. Sometimes we just have to go before the Lord and say, like, I'm here. I've done this often. I don't have anything to say, but I'm here and I just want to be in your presence. I want, Lord, I want you to know that I'm making an effort because this is so important to me. I may not be feeling it. I may not have any reason to come, but I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait. And he'll show up. And if you continue to do that, whether or not you get a feeling, whether or not you get a word, whether or not you get a picture, it becomes a part of your daily life, and that becomes who you are. And slowly, over time, the Lord starts changing things, the Lord starts moving, and he starts doing great things. And then all of a sudden, you're like, I feel so close to the Spirit, and I don't even know how I got there, because it was little, tiny baby steps that I was taking just because I care, and I want to be with him so badly that I will throw myself before him with nothing to say and just sit and be and the lord says that that the spirit actually if we don't know what to pray for ourselves he intercedes for us with groaning and he just comes before the lord and he's like this is what i have to pray for melissa and what's really fun this is what i've learned to do in the last year um because because a relationship with the spirit is a partnership I try to remember every time, before I go to God in prayer, I say, Holy Spirit, would you partner with me? I invite him in. Lord Jesus, I invite you to participate in prayer with me because it's not about me. I don't want my own fleshly things. I have spent my entire, I don't know, 20s and 30s praying for things that I never should have prayed for because they weren't the Spirit's will, but I didn't care because they were things I wanted, so I went to the Lord with those things. And then I was disappointed, and I was disappointed, and then my prayer life suffered, my relationship with the Lord suffered. So I want to invite the Holy Spirit in. It's a partnership. It's a relationship. And I want to pray with him because I want his leading. I want his will on my life, not my own. So I ask Jesus, Holy Spirit, partner with me here. Lord God, I invite you in. And I find that often my prayers go on a completely different tangent than I expected. I was going to pray for this stuff over here, and I don't even get to this stuff. I kind of go all the way over here, and I pray for things that I wouldn't have prayed for otherwise. And I just lost my page. There we go. So when we understand the presence of God and release expectations and just sit, just sit with the spirit. We don't have to say anything. God is really specific. You don't have to, you don't have to give these long, drawn-out prayers. I just want to be with you. That's a relationship. If we release our expectations, I just really feel like, I feel like the world would be different, honestly. If we took the time, if we were like Simeon, if we were like Anna, if we took the time, if we spent every day in the temple, I think our world would look a lot different. And we need that right now, right? In this pandemic time, we need that spirit's presence more than ever. So what I'd like to do right now really quickly as we, as we close is I want to do a little prayer exercise because I like these. They're fun. So can you do me a favor and can you close your eyes? I just want to sit with Jesus for one minute. I just want to give him a minute to speak. And just in the quietness of your heart and in your mind right now, 
I just want you to assess your prayer life. Where are you at? And there's no judgment. There's no right or wrong because you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now in your relationship with God. And I want you to assess your belief in who the Holy Spirit is in your life. Is he a symbol? Is he symbolic? Is he your prayer partner? Do you go to him with and for everything? Who is he to you? Where is he to you? Is he close? Is he far? It's not a feeling. If he feels far, that's just a feeling. We trust that he's close because he promises us he is. I just want you to assess, do you feel like your prayer life is active and fruitful? Ask God. Or have him show you. Ask him to show you. How's my prayer life? If your prayer life is not fruitful, I just want you to come before the Lord and say, what's holding me back, God? Is it unanswered prayers? Is it a broken heart? Goodness gracious, I've had a lot of those. Is it waiting? Is it because a prayer hasn't been answered the way you want it to? Are you scared? Do you not grasp what the Holy Spirit is and who he is and what he can do in your life? Are you afraid to come before the God with, with your heart's desires? What is it? And if you, if, you, if, you can, if you can nail down or lock down a thing or two, just give it straight back up to the Lord. Give it straight back to him. God, I, I release my fear to you. I don't want to be far from you anymore. God, I know that my prayers have not been answered, and that's hurt me, but that doesn't mean you are not on the throne and that you are not good. Actually, thank you for those answered prayers because I am who today, I am who I am today because of the way you answered those prayers. And I want you to ask God, what do I need to do to be able to have a thriving prayer life? What needs to change? Something needs to change in my heart? How do I become like Anna? I can't imagine 84 years of being on my knees. Did she run out of things to pray about? Did she get bored? Was she like, good gracious, I could just use a cracker right now. I'm so hungry. Because I'm sure it wasn't easy for her all the time. So what needs to change? And I just ask you to invite the Lord into that place. Invite the Lord. God, this needs to change. Holy Spirit, I ask you to partner with me here. I need you to partner with me here because this is not something I can do in my own flesh. Ask him to lead you into a new level of trust to a new level of peace, to a new level of mercy. I'm going to come before you. I'm going to do it even when it doesn't feel like you're there. I'm going to be diligent, and I'm going to get on my knees. I may say something. I may not. But I'm going to do it because I want that. I want your presence, God. I need your presence, God. We need your presence. 2020 is really hard. Let's not do 2021 without the presence of God. Not saying that you don't have it. But I think there's more. I really feel like the Lord is saying there's more for you. There's more for you in 2021. 
And 2020 is not a lost cause. It actually is one of those places that was the waiting. That was the hard things. That's the push. Now let's go. Let's go into 2021 and let's do things together. So Father God, Holy Spirit, Lord God, we just invite you here into this place. And I thank you for any words that you had for your people, any things that they might have conjured up as, as to what is going on with their relationship with you. And I ask for more in 2021. I ask for more of your presence, more of your spirit. I pray that you would continue to speak to your people, that you would move in power, that their prayer lives would grow exponentially, that you would meet your people when they come to meet you, Lord God, because that's what you do. We take one step forward to you and you take a hundred steps back to us. So we ask for that in 2021. We ask for more of your spirit. We ask for more of your presence. Father God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation. 